Welcome to the Animal Control Report with your host Ashley Bishop and Daniel Ettinger. I can see your face. This is great. <laughs> it's a little scary. I'm not gonna lie. Should we put this on YouTube? What up? Oh, you didn't. You didn't <laughs> forewarn me of that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I like the brace, yo. What happened to your hand? Oh, that's been on. Give me a good. Give me a good story. You fought a Wolverine. Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> This is the Animal Control Report brought to you by Tomahawk Live Trap, strong enough to hold up your warehouse. <laughs> yes. I'm still saying hey, that. Hey, it's worth really it. Cool. <laughs> it is. And also check out our website, humanemain.com or keepithumane.com. Use AC Report for 10% off any of your purchases on our store. We have some cool stuff in the shop, so check that stuff out there. Get your keychains, your trucks, your vans, your hoodies, your t-shirts, whatever it is, and use AC Report. Got that out of the way. Bishop, Bishop, Bishop. What's good? Uh, I don't know. Life. Life and not... <laughs> You're ready to rock Not springtime, I guess. Yeah, up there you said it's cold and you have the heater going. Yeah. So what's going on with that? We had like three days of 80 degree weather and we are now back into the 30s. I just 80 to 30? Mm -hmm. Don't you think that affects our pets outside? Inside or outside. I, well, think about it. Yeah, like a dog's been out in the 80s and they forget to bring it in and now it's in the 30s. What happens? Oh, absolutely. That's a problem. And then you've to top it off, we've got a lot of rain and snow too. So Ugh. you go from an 80 degree rain to a 35 degree rain. That's a big difference. Well, in a, in a few minutes, we're going to introduce our guest who doesn't have to deal with the 30s <laughs> or 20s, probably, probably not even the 60s. Uh, that's that's amazing. So I can't wait to get into some of that and and uh, some of the other fun stuff that we have going on. Tell me something good. Um, that's a good question. You tell me something good. You always ask me. Well, yeah, that, that put me on the spot. You always put um, me on the spot. I do. You know, there's just a lot of good going on in our profession. I just put out a survey. Well, this will air a little bit after, but I did put out a survey to talk about just prosecution and, and what happens, right? Like, are our, that's so hard to do, are our DAs, our prosecutors, taking our cases? So the survey was all about outcomes from animal cruelty and neglect cases. Are we doing anything to be proactive in the sense when we're dealing with these cases of cruelty and neglect and, and then what, ha like, what does that look like? And so far I've had over 60 responses and it's actually pretty fascinating data. I think for me, the biggest thing is we're not seeing a lot of, we're not seeing a lot of mental health treatment or anger management treatment. Uh, we are seeing in the, in the studies and I'll share this thing once it's like, I think I want to reach a hundred responses. So if you have the email, make sure you do it. But what I want to see is like more proactive measures, not just a plea agreement and then a fine. And that's what we're typically seeing for most of these cases. Yeah. And I already took the survey and that's pretty much what I said, but honestly, a majority of mine aren't even being taken. And that's what's that. I just, that's sad. That's sad. So uh, you know, and, and that's that's kind of my next phase is I love being able to travel to all the different animal control and animal shelter association trainings. I really want to start getting into these prosecuting and judge trainings and talk to them about what we're seeing in animal control. And if it's not me, that's fine. But if it's somebody that can do that, that'd be great. So, but before I get, we get our guest on, I have a story for you. Oh boy. Story time. Oh boy. <laughs> From the New York Post, the nypost.com. Hopefully it doesn't kick me out wanting me to, you know, subscribe. Here's the headline. Eight-foot alligator living in Philadelphia home since 2012 removed by animal control. That's right. Animal control officials removed a massive eight-foot-long alligator named Big Mac from a Philadelphia row home where he'd been confined to a basement for more than a decade. The animal care and control team was called to the home after the alligator's humans divorced and the owner's ex-wife no longer wanted the alligator in the house. Oh. Sorry. The couple had the animal since it was a baby and kept him padlocked in the basement since 2012. Rescuers had planned for Big Mac 
to be flown to a new home in Michigan's a Michigan sanctuary, but the 12-year-old reptile was too big for the airplane. <laughs> this is it's better and better. Executive director of the animal care and control team, Miss Sarah. Oops, Go ahead. there's my pop-up. Miss Sarah Barnett told Fox Digital Network that they were expecting the alligator to be three foot. When they walked in th up into the padlock, there was a little window on the door, like you see in the prisons in the movies, Barnett told the outlet. We all kind of peered in and just went, oh, crap. <laughs> Big Mac measured eight feet long and weighed 127 pounds. It took three people to remove him from the basement enclosure into the animal control truck. When we got him out, it was a little bit nerve-wracking at the beginning, she said. She said the gator was in distress, hissing and twisting around, and likely haven't been fed in a month. We had one person sitting on his back just to restrain him, and then I was sitting on the tail while someone else was taping the mouth shut, she told the, the reporter. <clears throat> the team quickly had to come up with a new solution and build a makeshift habitat for Big Mac at the organization's shelter, complete with an indoor pool and heat lamps. On Friday, Big Mac was moved to an alligator holding facility in Pennsylvania, where he took what was one likely one of his likely first swim, swims in years. After quarantining in Pennsylvania, Big Mac will head to his permanent home in Florida. How about that? So yeah. what did you say his weight was? 120? 28. That's 27 pounds for an 8-foot gator. That's underweight by about 40 pounds. Okay, that makes sense if he, you know, living in a padlock basement in Philadelphia. You'd also think, though, that he'd be overweight at that point for lack of exercise. Just sitting around, but yeah, that's a good point. That's a very, very good point. Well, it, I don't it's know. It's legal in my jurisdiction to own up to a 10-foot alligator. 10-foot? They would, they would not allow me to um, allow pigs, potbelly pigs, in the city. But they decided that a 10-foot alligator was okay. Okay. And you can't walk it on a leash. So. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time to introduce our guest who probably does not have issues whatsoever with alligators. Welcome to the program, Deborah Michelson, with no gators to speak of in American Samoa. You don't have alligators, do you? Not here, but where I was once working before, they did. Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about that. So when you and I talked offline a couple of weeks ago, uh, you said you really had a, a pretty long career in this profession. And I would just love for our listeners to hear a little bit about that and kind of why we brought you on. I mean, first and foremost, it's interesting enough you work in an island like 90 million degrees south. But before we get to that island, where were you? Like, how did this all get started for you? Okay, um, many, way too many years ago, 1997, I was working in a vet clinic that was housing some animals for an animal control because they didn't have a shelter. They were housing pit bulls. And I just got to talking to a few people and they said, well, if you love these animals so much, why don't you work for animal control? So that started my journey. Uh, in wait, wait, wait. Control. Hold on. Deborah, were they yes. pit bull haters? Is that what's going on here? I'm not sure at, at first um, if they were pit bull haters or not, but, you know, we, we were caring for them at a vet clinic, and when they took mm -hmm. them back, I knew what the outcome was going to be, and there was one that I was kind of, you know, I'd spent a lot of time with, so I just wanted to come by and say hi, and then this one girl just kind of got a little snippy with me and said, well, if you love them so much, why don't you just work for them? So I was like, well, maybe I will. So um, I did work in a jurisdiction that, you know, a lot of pit bulls did not go out, and I've been in different different that and that is a whole um argument that i have had so many times and i don't want to get in the middle of as to how people deem pit bulls or don't deem pit bulls but you know it is what it is in some jurisdictions so starting back before you left the mainland you were working what where an animal control I worked, I worked in virginia north of virginia and um mark Kumpf was my very first boss in the industry he <laughs> hired me on and I worked with him um, for just under 10 years. Uh, I did um, get promoted to like the supervisor. And then, you know, as it is when in some cities, it was kind of a little bit of a, 
uh, crapshoot with upper people, and it just, it was time for me to leave. So my next adventure took me very far south, very far south. Um, I went to, um, oh, and at the time my mother had died, so there was a lot of, you know, just get out and get to something completely different. So I loaded up a truck and drove to Texas. Okay. What part of Texas? So, uh, first stop was Fort Worth, um, okay. which I loved. It seemed like the Texas of what I thought youth was, you know, horses walking down the sidewalk, you know, everything. But um, animal control there, they were pretty much, you know, people just called them the dog catcher. Um, they didn't want us to do cruelty cases and everything. I was supposed to leave a dog with a broken leg there because it wasn't my job. And I was very frustrated. And um, Houston SPCA, something came up for a cruelty investigator for Houston SPCA. So I interviewed and um, started there. Were you on TV? And I worked at the Houston. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Yeah. Wait, you were on SPCA, Houston SPCA I Cops? An, I was on Animal Cops Houston no, for that. several years. I'm looking For several right years. Um, it's so weird. You can't hardly find the um, the episodes anymore. They um, The company was bought out, uh, and they switched owners several times. So sometimes you can find one episode here or there. And I've reached out to the production team, which is actually out of England. Okay. And they don't even know where they can get episodes anymore. <laughs> Oh, they um, call but, you Debbie like they're on a first name basis with you, yo. <laughs> yes. So That's yeah, I was in cool. I was in there and they told you when you get hired you're gonna have to be on TV. So um I was fine with that. I didn't mind. Um and there was lots and lots of different interesting things there. Um I was involved in the rescuing of a chimpanzee, because Texas you can have everything. You mm -hmm. can have Tigers, you can have elephants, you can have everything there. So um, I was there uh, with the help of rescuing a chimpanzee. Somebody had made him a pet. Um, and then when he bit a brother's finger off or something, they confined him to a garage. And by the time we got to him, he only weighed like 50 pounds. And a full-grown chimp should have weighed close to 200. Wow. Um, so uh, he had ulcers oh. uh, from smoking cigarettes and drinking sodas Aww. and it and it took quite a bit to get him back but we did that case all night long and, and the people from animal cops houston literally told me that day they're like we love filming with you because you don't mind crying on camera and Aww. i was like oh that's such a compliment thank you <laughs> now so and people would always ask they're like that's all staged isn't it and i'm like oh yeah when they're videoing us being chased by somebody's dog or by an emu as we were one time you know um we're going to tell them all to stop so that we can refilm it and get a good view so no none of it was staged they pretty much you know filmed you as you went um you got what you got i had one girl actually ask me oh do they give you a makeup team i'm like what are they going to do come and put the pig poop on my face to make it look authentic <laughs> no the pig poop is actually authentic so um, they, you know, from my, from my thought process, though, it would take like hundreds of hours to get a couple episodes, right? Like they would record, but have to piece together stuff. Um, they went out. They would pick um teams that would they would go out with, and there were some people that didn't like to be on camera, so they would try to leave before the camera crew got there. Okay. So uh, the camera crew rode with me a lot, which is kind of weird. You're driving down. We're in like a little Ford Escape type thing, and I've got a guy with a big camera shining in at my face, asking me questions as I drive. And people are driving up beside you on the other side, waving through the window. Um, <laughs> and you're trying to just, like, answer questions and be solemn, you know. Sure. Um, but so they went out with us a lot, and they would find uh, different stories that we were going on. Or if somebody called up and said, hey, um, we've got this case going on over here, sometimes they would jet off and go over there. But, yeah, it took a, a lot of um, recording to get the different stories. Um, I mean, there was I'm, there was no short shortness of any kind of stories. Uh, my last my last big case before I left Texas was uh, I rescued over two hundred nine horses from a property. Wow. Hopefully not by yourself. Two hundred and nine. <laughs> no, it took um, three counties and over a week to get the horses removed from the property. So what was what was the probable cause? Like two hundred and nine is a ton. Like why so many? Um, well, 
this is the case that uh, people had been kind of dealing with but not dealing with because when we worked in Houston, we worked with eight eight counties altogether. Okay. And so you had different sheriffs, different constables, different the way people did things. One county would say a shelter could be a tree. One county said a shelter had to be a doghouse. You know, so you had to learn to work within um, which county you were in. So this one, they had gone to this person's house. He also had a dairy farm there. They had gone to his house before, and they'd see a couple of horses, and they're like, hey, just take care of them, whatever. And, um, you know, and then didn't want to be bothered with it because it was a big big issue and it was going to take a bunch so they kept getting calls about um a colt that had died and some horses in bad shape so they had me come out um and i went and i had to sit with uh, the constable um the people in the attorney's office all sorts of different people and they're like well can't we just go out and you know pick up the one or two that are bad and just say you know whatever and i said well the houston spca doesn't go in like that if there's an issue, we're going to take them all or we're not going to take anything. I can't put a Band-Aid on a broken leg. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, okay, then. So I called my boss and then she was saying, you know, what about the cows? I'm like, the cows are totally separate and the cows are taken care of. If we mix mix the cows in with the horses, we might lose the whole case. So we cho chose only to take the horses at that time. Okay. And um, it was crazy. We had the horses for a long time. Some of the horses had never been handled. His excuse was that... You know, it was in the time when horses weren't selling and that his horses were worth a lot of money. And so um, he would rather starve them to death than sell them for what less than what he thought they were worth, which is actually what was happening. So wow. Wow. he thought he could get $30,000 a piece for these horses, you know, when horses were selling for less than a thousand. So um, he could have sold off one or two for a thousand and bought enough food for his herd, you know, but he just his mind didn't think that way. So we would come up and there's 37 um, male horses in a big pen in a dirt lot with a partial round bale and a broken water bin and um, horses that open, open wounds. And then the few horses that were in stalls, the feces in the stalls was probably stacked up. It was stacked up, up against the walls at an angle and horses were standing at an angle. So it was a big case. Um, it went on and on and on. And, he still pops up every once in a while trying to sue us for illegally taking his horses, but good luck getting to you yeah. now. Did you, did you work with Jim Bowler? Was he there when you were there? He left right after, I mean, he left before I got there. Okay. I did take an, um, I did take a horse animal cruelty case class with him in Colorado. Sure. And yeah. That's, met that's him. how I know him. Yep. That's exactly how I know him. So, I do. I have met him, and I have worked with him before. But yes, he was gone before, uh, before I got there. So, but I mean, we've had. I had to help rescue snakes there. We had some gentlemen that had um, venomous snakes and like twelve foot, thirteen foot snakes. Wow. Um, I was the snake person. A lot of the guys were afraid of them, so I I was the lead on that one. We actually had one that was um, somebody had left snakes in a storage unit people opened the storage unit and they saw these three snakes. It was the only thing in it. And they were like, well, we were just going to let them go, but we figured we'd better call you. Hmm. So they were going to let them go in the middle of Houston. Just and when I got there, species of, yeah. When I got there, there was a monocled cobra. Wow. A, um, what else was there? There was a, a pygmy rattler wow. and a copperhead. Wow. So they were going to awesome. let them go just in, in Houston. Awesome. So we talked them out of that. And, uh, the constable that came to pick him up with me was so funny. She's like, these aren't getting out. And she's like taping everything down. I'm like, what? They're really <laughs> You're like, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Come on. Everything's fine. So, so Deborah. Um, oh, sorry. Yes. Well, I was going to say, what brought you to American Samoa then? So I had um, been in, been in Houston for, you know, a little over 10 years. I'd left once. Because I was very frustrated, you know, it is a, a nonprofit and they do things their own way and a lot of a lot of changes in upper management. And I think I was just kind of getting tired of it. And I left once and they um, called me like six months later and asked me to come back. And so I did. <laughs> I moved all my stuff back to Texas again and stayed for, um, you know, two more years. But just a lot of drama. And I was like, you know, I've been in this industry over 20 years and. Mm -hmm. 
think it's time to go back home. So I went back home to Virginia. And then um, this past summer, I got a call from a, a friend that worked with me at, in Texas. And she had been in contact with one of the vets that had worked there. And the vet had gone to American Samoa and was asking for, she was looking for somebody to help with animal control. Because hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Bishop, you see how we both said yep. it wrong? <laughs> yep. Uh, in- anyway, Samoa, right? Samoa? Yes. Right, Samoa. Cool. We got it. I now. said it wrong when I first got it here. Got here too, so <laughs> they whip you if you don't American say it right. Samoa. All right, um, cool. And so she, uh, the girl gave her my name and she called me. She's like, oh, yeah, Debbie, I, I remember working with you. You were always so, you know, um, so good on your cases and everything. And they could really use the help here. And so um, I had almost decided to come in July. And then she called me back and said, don't come. I'm quitting. I'm very frustrated. I'm not going to just don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. And then she called me back like two weeks later and said, okay, everything's good again. You can come. You need to come. And so I was very. Sounds about right very, for animal control. I was very worried. I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to be going to a small island in the middle of the ocean with only two flights a week out. So I'm kind of stuck there. Um, so can you and, explain for the listeners where you're really located. I mean, obviously in the ocean, but <laughs> yeah, like yes, we are in the South Pacific um, near Fiji, um, Tonga. Um, we're basically kind of off the coast of um, New Zealand and Australia. Um, it is still a, like a nine hour flight from Hawaii to get Boy, there. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. And we are right like close to the equator. The other interesting fact is this is basically the last place on earth for the time change. There's only one other place that has um, the time change. So it's, a, the, I mean, the new year. So mm-hmm. like the next Island Samoa or international Samoa, which you can get there with an hour flight. They are the very first per- place to um, celebrate New Year's Day. Oh, I and see. Okay. American Samoa is the last place to celebrate New Year's Day. Why is the island only- split with eastern and western districts? I don't understand. So way back in the World Wars, um, Germany. Uh, I'm, I'm. Let me get this right. I think it was Germany and then New Zealand agreed to take control of international or western Samoa. And then American Samoa ended up being um, taken over and fallen under the flag of America. So we are now, we are a U.S. territory here. Okay. And then American, um, Western Samoa is, falls under something else and they have a whole different um, money, money exchange. You have to use Samoan money. Here we use American. Um, (laughs) So it's, we're not very far away, but it's two separate um, separate entities. Two different countries control it. For fun, I just looked up flights and it's twenty four hundred dollar round trip. If I go in June, <laughs> not that I'm saying I'm going to go. I'm not inviting myself to the American Samoa, but that's expensive AF, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably like four days on an airplane just to get to that whole <laughs> fucker. I think my flight was. Um, I flew from Norfolk to Atlanta, and then flew from Atlanta direct flight from Atlanta to. Um, Honolulu had to stay overnight and then flew Honolulu to American Samoa and got here. I left like Norfolk at um, 6 a.m. or something and then got into here the next night at 10. Wait, wait, wait. So it's a nine hour flight from Hawaii? Yes. Whoa. I think it's about a nine hour flight. Just over water the whole way. Yes. The only thing you might be able to see is like a blue whale, maybe. If you're lucky, can't even there's see that because you usually there's usually clouds that you don't need oh fuel. <laughs> yes. Not, okay, so you fly into Pago Pago, is that right? Yes. Did I say that right? Pago Pago Pago. The G is kind of like weird because I live okay. in Fongonono, Fongo Fongo or something, but it's incredible. all like G's. I can't I can't even hardly say it myself. Um, but yeah, Pago Pago. Interesting fact is is one of the deepest natural 
harbors in the world. Nope, I'm good. I'm staying on the mainland. I can't. So, I'm scared of the water like that, yo. So they, uh, yeah, I'm not really a beach person either. So, but so it's one of the deepest natural harbors in the world. So they get, a, they do get cruise ships here. Um, they do a lot of um, other good fact is uh, the Starkist. There is a Starkist plant here. That's their main, um, their main industry here is a Starkist, Starkist tuna plant. The tuna, okay. Yes. You know, I might eat fish if I lived out on Pago Pot, like because I'm vegan now. But I feel like the only thing I could eat is like coconuts, lemons, and like uh, there's probably a lot of leafy greens though, to be honest. So anyway. there was um, breadfruit, all sorts of like strange stuff. And um, on the island, there are no. They're basically everything here is owned by the government here. There's no really any outside businesses. That are allowed to come in. I do, a see, few a people, I do see a McDonald's on the. On there the is map. one McDonald's, and that was because they do have, they do have a military base. Okay. And the military base said to have them established here, they had to have some kind of fast food available. So they have one McDonald's, and they actually have a Carl's Jr. Okay. And that closes at like eight o'clock at night. So McDonald's does stay open twenty four hours, but those are the only two fast foods. Tomahawk Live Trap has been manufacturing humane animal capture and handling equipment since 1925. They work directly with animal control officers around the world to develop and improve their products so that they're as safe and efficient as possible. Save 10% on your next order by using discount code DCACREPORT. Visit them online at www.livetrap.com or call them at 1-800-272-8727. I was just going to say I looked it up from Minneapolis to... Samoa, right? Samoa? Samoa. American American Samoa. Samoa. It's um, a 60-hour trip. (laughs) (laughs) Stops. If you're going, you ain't coming back. You know what I mean? You got to stay there for like three weeks. Mine's cheaper. Mine was only $1,900. Well, that's good. But, okay, that's really it. quick, I do want to get into the yeah, animal control sorry. and shelter stuff there because that's super-duper important. But before we do, this is just fascinating, Debbie. Can I call you Debbie? Because the yes. Houston SPCA called you Debbie, so I want to call you Debbie. That's fine. So let me ask this. Though. like On a scale of one to beautiful, how beautiful is it there? It has to be amazing. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is. Um, you see colors here that you can't believe are real. Um, there's... Okay, so I'm talking about, I said something to somebody. I said, well, you know, you don't want him over here because there's mud. They're like, well, we don't really have mud here because it's, the island is basically lava rock. Okay. Um, and the plants, the plants that grow here um, are able to grow into that. There's some dirt, but it's basically we're on lava rock. The whole island is made of lava rock. Do you ever um, when you worried go on it's to- just going to like sink or go away or, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, Explode. They have a- um, several years ago, they had a tsunami here, which oh. they lost several people. Oh. Um, this is cyclone season. Um, but, um, yes, there's tsunami signs all over that, you know, once once they get seismic warnings of an earthquake, um, you're supposed to head up into the hills because there is mountains here. There is a mountain range here. The whole, the whole of American Samoa is 76 square miles, but that includes three outer islands that are very small. One is only a mile one square mile. I think the square miles of this actual island, the main island, is um, fifty around fifty square miles. Okay. So, um, like it, all of us that can get in your car and drive fifty miles up to like uh, some other's town to visit your friend, fifty miles—that's as far as you're going here. Uh, okay. There's one main road that goes around the outside edge of the island, and um, uh, there's a small boat that'll take you to Anu'u, which is a small island. Uh, you can get onto a flight to Manua, which is another small island. But yeah, you're pretty much stuck here. To get off to the island on a big flight is Mondays and Thursdays, and those are the only two days. Like if something happened, you know, it's got to wait till Monday or th- Thursday to get off the island. So, so if you needed to go and visit family or something that was in the hospital, you, you, that's just it. You can't. You yep, can't. that's just it. Okay. So. But back to the beautiful. Um, so you can go out here to the beach, and there are a lot of like um, lava rock formations, black lava rock with like pools in them and um, blowholes where the lava has formed over, and there's an open hole, and the waves come crashing in and they blow up through the holes. But then you can look out in there, and there's like the amazing colors of turquoise and teal, and the water is so clear that you can see through it. Um, you can walk into water that is um, 
I have a picture. I walked into water that was almost to my knees, and you could tell. I mean, you could see every bit of my toes, everything. It was like crystal clear, crystal clear water. Um, the place where I live is close to the airport beach. It is a walk to get to airport beach, but you walk along the coastline because everything's on the coastline here. And um, you can sit down on the edge, which most of the beach is made of just broken up coral. There's no real sand here. But you can walk out to the edge and put on your snorkel gear and go two feet into the water, dip your head under, and you see coral and bright blue fish wow. and um, orange fish and red fish and like striped fish just like 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 two feet off the beach and how how warm is that water oh it's it's warm the we're actually in the rainy season right now uh, but the average temperature here low i mean it's never changes Low, you're going to probably get maybe 74, high up to 90s. And that's your temperature range. That's beautiful. Constantly. I know. Most of the time, it's about, yeah. Most Are you of the time hiring? What's going on out there? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to see something real what? quick. Uh, yeah, most of the time, it's about 84, but it is humid. Okay. Um, and the thing that surprised me, you know, because we all, working in this industry, you know, springtime brings the babies, right? Yeah. Usually, you're in the clinic, and you got babies dropped off. Here, there's no change of season like that. But this last month, we had a big run of somebody dropped off like 25 puppies. Like Aww. several people dropped off up to like 25 puppies in like a week. That's why I have 10 puppies here that I'm fostering. So, um, should so we, we should probably get into some of the some of the work related stuff. It's just been fascinating to learn about all of this. When we were talking offline, you were telling me about just the street dogs like there are just street dogs everywhere so let's ju let's jump into a little bit of that and kind of the work that you're doing out there etc okay so american samoa has um probably forty five thousand people there's probably in excess of over ten thousand stray feral dogs on the property <sighs> on on the island probably more more than that you can drive down the street and um Okay. See, like five, okay, you say that. Here. I just dropped a pin on Google Earth, and no doubt, no doubt, right in Tafuna, there's a there, there's a stray dog just running around on the <laughs> nice. street. Oh my god, a little yellow lab yeah. looking guy. All right, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, that's okay. So, and we also have um, uh, there's there's really no rabies on the island. Uh, there are no natural predators here. So the dog packs are the, basically the top of the food chain here. Um, there are some cats, not a whole lot, um, no snakes here, nothing like that. So basically the dogs, uh, rule everything, but, uh, there are rats, um, cane toads too, venom, uh, the, the toxic cane toads. So we see a lot of, um, toxic poisoning where dogs mm. lick toads yeah. and then their salivary glands swell up and they vomit and stuff. But, um, there's a TBT and leptospirosis here. So we see that a lot in mange. And these dogs that are running around, um, but some of them can be very aggressive. Some of them are used to people walking around. It's sad to see kids walking to school here and they carry sticks with them to ward off the dogs. Um, um, dogs have been macheted here because um, they just come and attack you. Um, we were doing a one of the measles clinic, which we can get into later, but we were doing a measles clinic and one of the girls tried to give this homeless lady who was walking with some dogs um, a sandwich because they gave us a bunch of food. And as soon as she turned around, these five dogs she had with her that were mangy charged at at our at our assistant and knocked her down. And we thought she was going to have a bad dog bite. Oh. They get so many dog bites into um, the clinic here all the time. So it is a big problem. But we have a problem with enforcing it because here there's very few laws. Um, they have one that says if your dog, if a dog is running stray without a collar on it, it must be picked up and euthanized. And that's basically their whole running, running at large law. The staff here doesn't like to have to euthanize. And so when I first came here, they were like, we were told not to pick up any dogs unless they were really sick because we don't want to euthanize. And or, you know, we did pick up some dogs and they just spayed them and then we took them up into the mountains and let them go. Mm. So this was their whole way to handle things. Um, so it's it's been pretty scary. But then when you do get here and they ask you to do this, the, the island is actually broken down into different villages, and each village has a chief, and they have their own set of rules and laws. 
and each chief has the authority to tell you that you can't pick up any strays in our in our village. We don't want you to pick up strays. What's the reason? They have actually um, because people will even post on our Facebook page. They're just island dogs. They've always been island dogs. Why don't you just let them be? Okay. Um, they're all fam- they're family dogs, or they're mm-hmm. this or that. And so um, it's very hard getting getting cooperation in 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 that aspect. So um, in the first three months that I came, we picked up over eighty, almost eighty dogs. Well, I'm at three right them. now on Google Maps. I'm just cruising the neighborhoods on. You know, just doing the Google Map thing. Oh, I'm at four now. Uh, just looking at all the dogs <laughs> roaming around the neighborhoods. This is this is fascinating. Absolutely beautiful, at, but fascinating. At our shelter, we had three that ended up coming and living in the back of our shelter, and one had puppies. And it's like we are the vet clinic and the shelter, which we only have ten cages, um, uh, and we have stray dogs living here. You know, people just dump them. Mm. The other sad part is. People will come in and they'll say, do you have any boy dogs or do you have any boy puppies? Nobody wants females, even though we spay and neuter everything that goes out. But we've heard that the way of the Islanders, how it used to be and still is, that when they have puppies and there's females, they either throw them in the ocean or get rid of them some other way instead of because people don't want them. They don't want to have more babies. Uh, So so do they think that because it's a female, she's going to get pregnant even if she's spayed? Right. Okay. And they when they drop off litters of puppies, it's usually all females. And they're like, I'm like, well, you had five puppies here. Were none of them were males? Oh, we kept the males, but you can have the females and they'll just drop them off. So those are the things we run into with, here. With the law being that they must be euthanized, is that like, are we talking immediate euthanasia or is there a time frame? There is no time frame. There is nothing on, on this. There's very, There's only like three laws. Um, and one, it deals with a vicious dog, but when they changed our department over from Department of Ag to Department of Health, they didn't change the law. So the law still says that the Department of Agriculture's responsibility, it, they're responsible for um, euthanizing aggressive biting dogs. But they don't want anything to do with animal control anymore, so they won't order a dog euthanized. So we have a dog that was a bite case that has been sitting in the shelter for a while. And... Um, Part of the issue is now the guys are all like, well, but it's very nice now. And it's like, yeah, but it bit somebody like Malder, bit her like four times. It's not fair to put that dog back out. Um, it was very hard for me to get anybody to um, euthanize even sick dogs here. They wanted to try to save everything. But I'm like, you have so many dogs here. Can we concentrate on some of the ones that are healthy this dog, you know, has a cancerous tumor that's Ugh. burst on its side. Yeah. You know, can we not euthanize it and put it out of its misery? Well, you know, you think we could, you know, maybe stitch it up and then maybe let it go. So Aww. it's very frustrating. Um, they just, it hasn't been seen this way in a long time. You know, they've, they're one of the oldest cultures in the world. Um, a lot of stuff they do is still very um, the way it's been done for years. Do, they, and, do uh, they have a specific religion that they practice? Um, they're very religious here. Um, there are a few Seventh-day Adventists, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think most of them are Christians. They um, Here, even the beaches are closed on Sunday. A lot of places are just closed on Sunday. You can't even go to them. Okay. Um, so they're very religious. Um, we have meetings, and they open the meetings with prayers and... and um, a lot of stuff. Oh, and another interesting thing is like every night about 6 or 6.15, they ring a bell in the villages. And that means if you're in your car driving there, you're supposed to pull over to the street and not be driving. When they ring the bell in the villages, that means you are supposed to be home with your family, um, spending time with your family for that 15 minutes um, and not be on the street. So to respect the villages, if you're there, you're supposed to pull over and wait until um, they ring that bell that it's that the time is over. Okay. So, so like only emergency type things if you were driving yes. after at that at that time at six plus. Yes, you try to be respectful of the villages. They have the ultimate ultimate sure. control here. So it's a it's it's frustrating because it you know there's so much that could be done to improve things, and then I feel like sometimes the hands are tied. Um, I want to respect the the Samoan culture. I don't want to push them to be Americanized. Sure. Um, I bet that's a big part. 
you know, I want to help them out to give them tools. Oh, this is another thing. You know, I'm at home and it's like, I don't want to go out of the house. I can order Amazon and it can be here and like, you know, by the next morning or whatever. Wait, order over Amazon there it can? No, oh, at home. Okay. Here it's two weeks, two weeks or something to get an Amazon order or anything like that. And a lot of places won't even ship to, to here. Um, I've tried to do a GoFundMe accounts and nobody will transfer money over here. So I've been running into a lot of roadblocks on that. Um, but so when I first got here in, let's just say December 1st, it was like the last day of November, December 1st, I tried to talk about getting them snappy snares and things that would help them because they catch their all their stray dogs in a trap. That's what they do. They set a trap out, they put Vienna sausages in and they catch them all one by one and do it that way. So I said, let's get us some snappy snares, a really good tool. They have a couple of catch poles, but I, we ordered them in December. Just found out they got to the island this week. This five week? months. Wow. Yes. Five months. Wow. Everything has to go through procurement down to, you know, this, get, get a check sent out, get the check approved, then get the check sent over to the cargo company. And then the cargo company goes through. So it's, um, you know, trying to get anything here that would benefit. It's like, it's, it's very hard. It's very hard. I don't even know what to say to that. Bishop, <laughs> I can see you thinking this is cool. Cause I can actually see your face <laughs> on this recording. Well, from the aspect of like general yeah. animal control, are you seeing, are you able to like, if there's cases of cruelty or neglect from an owned and not a street animal, is that something you would do that the police, like, how does that work over there? There is no laws regarding animal cruelty here. Oh. How Nothing. are you handling Absolutely. that personally? Like emotionally coming from where you have. It's very, it's very, it's very hard. I see all these animals that are in somebody's yard and they've all got like super like mangy skin and, um, you know, very thin or limping. Like they've got a broken leg and I'm told, no, we can't go up there. They're owned by people. We just hmm. have to let them go. So that's very frustrating for me. Um, you know, when I do see them on the street, I try to get them to pick them up. Um, but, you know, we post on our Facebook page. There's no rule that says we have to hold them for a couple of days. But I've tried to, like, post them on our Facebook page and say, hey, we found these strays. Can anybody want them? Um, we've actually been doing um, – we've been getting some adoptions out. Uh, I just was reached out by the – a gentleman on one of the broadcasting the radio stations and he is set up to do a weekly pet of the week now so um, and they're they're going to pay the adoption fee for somebody that comes out so um, but that's one at a time um, so uh, eventually we are on the schedule to get a new vet clinic and shelter but the company that's doing it is through a grant because a lot of stuff that happens here is through grants from America mm -hmm. um and, and the welfare system and everything. That's how a lot of their money's come through here. Um, but we, there is a grant and they, they're supposed to be doing seven buildings. And we've just found out that we are the last building that they plan to construct. Yes, because it's the least important. They're doing hospitals and clinics and things like that. So, um, but we are, as the director tells me, we are the only game in town for vet clinic or animal shelter or anything like that. And the governor has been pushing us to pick up more animals. But, you know, that creates this vicious cycle. You know, I'm like, pick them up. Where do we put them? Do we euthanize them? No, don't euthanize them. So where are we going to do? Do we pick them up? No, don't pick them up. Or, or pick them up, spay them, drop them off in the woods. I'm like, but then they're still on the island. The, the governor can still see them. So, you know, it's trying to find how it can work is very frustrating and very hard. But the people here are wonderful and you know super nice and it's beautiful here and and so what's the fix then it's Debbie? going like, in a good what's it's going in a good direction what's but, the fix what do you do to like get things a little more it sounds you know it sounds like there is a way to fix it but there's just some barriers in place so if, what can you do well we're trying to work on um they've got a consultant who used to be in the legislature who's supposed to be working with me on trying to construct some laws that we can put into place you know duties of ownership simple duties of ownership laws um there is um i think they're called pula which are the um, people in the villages um 
they were supposed to meet up with those and get them all together in a group um, and then have them talk to them and say, you know, can we work together with your village to remove some of these strays or whatnot? But, you know, things move slowly here. Their big saying is no worries. You know, this is an island. No worries. No worries. So everything moves slowly here. And um, that hasn't happened in, you know, almost over five months here. Uh, so without their support, our hands are tied. Without proper laws, our hands are tied. Um, the only thing we can do is go out and try to pick up all the injured ones, the sick ones, uh, treat what we can, try to try to get the others adopted. And unfortunately, um, euthanize the ones that um, are not um, the best candidates for adoption because we are very, very limited on space um, for for animals. And for me, and I know this may not be popular, but, you know, sometimes there is a fate worse than death. Um, to have an animal suffer, um, I'm all, you know, all with, I'm all on board oh, yeah. with that. You, you're talking to the right crew when it comes to that type of stuff. And I'm not trying you know, to say that to be mean, but uh, that's the reality. If there's animal suffering, we need to make sure that you know we can end that suffering. Yeah, it's it's so difficult. And uh, some of the guys have been on board and have been have understood it better. But there are still some people that are like, why can't we spend more time with this one? If we gave it more attention, you know. Um, or if we spent more money, but we have a very limited budget. Sometimes we don't even have, you know, dog food, you know, and we're having to, you know, go up and try to get a purchase order to get dog food or something like that. We don't have supplies. I have, they, they keep telling me not to use my own money, but I'm like, I can't ask other people to donate to the clinic if I'm not willing to donate myself. Sure. So, you know, I'll run up and, and buy towels for the surgery room or, you know, an extra bag of dog food if we're short, you know, um, supplies for cleaning. And I don't mind doing that because I would do it if I was anywhere else. Um, but they're like, turn in, turn in a receipt for it. I'm like, we don't have the money in the budget, save the money in the budget for other things that we can use. So it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's an opportunity. I'm glad that I had, I was given, uh, I think that everybody, should have a chance to go do something way out of their comfort zone um, and, and, you know, find a way to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I told them, I said, I'll be here as long as I'm um, making a difference for you or I'm helping you out. Once, once I'm no longer a service to you, then I can go back to my other life as it is. I never planned to stay here forever. You know, um, I just, I don't think I could survive on an <laughs> Island forever. The speed limit is only 25 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. they, I'm being, I'll be in jail like the first 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, and get this, so like when you're driving, everybody stops to let everybody in. And then you honk to say thank you. So people are always constantly honking at each other, but it's to say thank you. So oh, yeah. you're going, you stop and let somebody in. You go up, they stop and let somebody in. So it takes a while to get anywhere. But, you know, sometimes the view is like you're just like driving going, oh, okay. So, and we have fruit bats. I love fruit bats. So I have fruit bats that fly over my house and it's just, it's just different. It's different, but it is an opportunity that, you know, if I was, had not been given this opportunity, American Samoa is someplace that I would never be able to get to in my life. I'd never be able to afford to come to a place like this. So for me, um, I'm grateful that I was given this chance to come see someplace as beautiful as this and to work here and see if I can help out and, provide some guidance. Um, the, when I got here, the guys were like, I was like, well, how did you learn animal control? Um, we learned from watching YouTube videos. I mean, that's better than some so of that us, was let's goal. be honest. Some of us were handed keys and said, <laughs> yes. go for it. <laughs> hey, go, go, yes. So that was their whole training. So, But I, I did um, manage to uh, schedule training. I have a training class coming up um, for them in three weeks. Um, uh, Mark will actually be here on island for 10 days and um, providing as many classes as we can squeeze in in those 10 days. You know what's good so, about about that with the speed limit being 25, they may be honking at Mark to go a little faster because he drives like 10 <laughs> with his one eye. Anyway. I have not I have not been in the car with him in like 15, 20 years. So, you know. <laughs> so here, here's what we're going to do now. We're going to play this game. We call this pick of the litter. It's rapid fire questions, and you can pick you can pick a choice provided. You can make up your own answer. You can pick nothing, whatever you want, but uh, just play the oh, game. Lord. 
And if you feel like there's explanation needed, we may ask you to explain. We may not. But go ahead and take it away, Bishop. All right. First and foremost, what is your official title? <laughs> Do you That's have one? <laughs> Nothing. I don't, supposed... have, I don't have one. I was supposed to come in as animal services director, but then I was supposed to be animal control director when I just found out they don't really even have a position for me. I've, so I'm just kind of, they call me the animal services director, but I've actually never even seen a contract or not even on an employee list anywhere. Okay. You are getting a paycheck though, so, right? I get paid. Um, they call it a supplement right now because they've been trying to get me a contract oh. for, since I and got that was here. back in December. So they just, yes. Yeah. All right. Well, you could <laughs> be paid. In, no worries. You could be paid in mangoes <laughs> and fruit bats. <laughs> Here's, Here's a thir- Here's thirty fruit bats. Have fun. Train them like pigeons. I would actually like that. So don't tempt me on that one. Uh, how many times have you been bitten? I've actually been bitten as an animal control officer only um, once, I believe. I was moving some tiny kittens and a kitten. Oh, actually twice. I got bit by a dog that was in a grungy basement, and then some kittens. I was trying to move them, and the kitten swung around and, like, pierced her sharp little tooth right through my finger, and it hit my fingernail on the other side. But I've been actually um, very lucky um, to have not gotten bitten. I've been in several situations where it could have been horrible, but um, I've been lucky. What is your spirit animal? I don't I don't. I have... No idea. I'm that would be. I, okay. no I ask these questions and solve it. Right prepared. now, I feel like it might be Tasmanian devil, but you know. <laughs> All right. I'm putting that in there. <laughs> what is your go-to snack? I'm a chips person. Okay. Salty, salty chips. I can. I could. Do they um, have like Lay's over there, or do you eat like Samoan they, crackling? They do have Lay's, but. You know, it's like, it's, it's so hard to get. I was so excited. I found Miracle Whip in a store yesterday. I was oh. like, oh my God, Miracle Whip. Because they have mayo and stuff. But I'm a Miracle Whip person. But they do have like Lay's. The Lay's bag that we would buy at the store for like three fifty or something is like six six fifty. No, that's the same in the states too. Now it's called inflation. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. yep. mm-hmm. Well, I've been over here a while, and who knows? Yeah. But um, oh, and they have. The big store here is called Cost You uh, Cost You Less. It's like kind of like a Costco, okay. but it's Cost nice. You Less. And so they have these um, kettle ripple chips that are um, with Himalayan Himalayan sea salt on them. So right now, that's my go-to snack. All right, all right, hmm. cool. Have you adopted an animal you rescued on duty? Yes. Okay. What kind of animal? Don't ask me how many. <laughs> okay, cool. Let's keep that. Moving. All right. <laughs> Um, Well, in the SPCA, we could foster animals, um, but you had to sign a contract that you would not adopt your first three. They got you used to giving them back. So that's kind of cool. So, um, so I did manage to. um, I had several that I adopted from uh, from Houston, um, and I actually still have one. She's on the she's on the mainland still with my roommate. Um, uh, She's a Chihuahua. She's old, has no teeth yet, but. She's my last one of my adoptions that I had from there. Right. And and I have a dog here that kind of adopted me out on the front porch. And then there's a little dog that's kind of adopted me. He's in the house right now. But I have to decide when I go off island if I'm going to take either one of them. All right. That answer is yes. You're taking taking both. They have enough dogs on the island. Okay. It is very, it's very hard to get a dog off island. You know, you have to go through all the health checks and everything and, the little dog is the one, the one outside kind of floats between a couple houses. The dog inside, she's so terrified of the sound of the airplanes and thunderstorms and stuff. And so my concern is putting on a, mm. on a flight for, you know, nine plus hours to Hawaii and then another flight. And is it, is it fair to her yeah. um, to do that? Sure. So I'm, I'm struggling with that fact. Heavy, heavy, heavy sedation. <laughs> She's only like this big. She's not an island dog. Somebody brought her here for something, and she was found on the street. So uh, she's like a chihuahua pomeranian oh. thing. So <laughs> okay, emergency lights or amber? 
I worked with the police department before and we had emergency lights. And I think that um, they are more effective. I think people tend to ignore just the amber lights. Yeah. Um, but I was with a police department, so we had the ability to have the emergency lights. We didn't have, we didn't really have anything with the SPCA, but we were usually with a constable if we had to go and do something on an emergency. Okay. So, mm. Dan, I think we can probably guess the answer to this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> State or department required certification? You too. <laughs> um, is that a yes or no question? I think, oh, I have, I went through all the training and I had all the certification when I was in Norfolk. Um, SPCA didn't really require any kind of certification. We weren't, we were with a, you know, a nonprofit organization. We didn't even really do a whole lot of training. Um, they didn't require any of that. Um, so yes, I, I think people should have certification, um, I can't even remember how much it was, but, you know, I've been out of it for a while, so I really haven't even taken any classes, and I can't even tell you how long it's been. And definitely down by uh, the American Samoa, there's not any requirement there. (laughs) No. Just um, (laughs) The guys that we have um, that are ACOs were actually, a lot of them were on the quarantine team for COVID, and then when the quarantine ended they didn't have any place to put them for work uh they were part of the health department so the health department said hey go work in animal control Sounds about so right. this wasn't this wasn't a choice that a lot of them did they didn't come down and ask to be hired for animal control it was kind of if you want okay, a job here it is i'll go work there yeah so okay. um so yeah we don't have there that's the one thing i mean i can teach them whatever they want i can't make people want to do the job or you know be invested in the job and that's a lot of another thing i'm struggling with mm. it's hard to you know for them it's like yeah okay it's a cultural thing i could go yeah okay so ppe things like firearm baton oc taser for you none of that none of that here <laughs> I do remember fondly when I was in Virginia, um, we fought to get the baton training and they had, they made me go through the police academy, um, baton training. And, um, they, I was way younger and way more nimble back then. And they used to give me a hard time cause I was like more flexible than a lot of people, <laughs> but we got certified for there. I've never been um, certified for the pepper spray or anything in my whole career. Never carried it anywhere. Here they don't have anything. Um, I did order them bite sticks, and I've talked to the police department here who has a trainer, and he says that he can give them some training in that, but that's pretty much PPE. That's all we all have. Right. And last question. If you could ride along with anybody, who would it be? They could be a living, dead, famous, not famous. Animal related, not re- animal related. Yep, anything. Ah, oh, you should have given me this question before we came on air. <laughs> nope, so this, is why, this is rapid fire. You know, you just got to whatever comes to your mind. I don't even. Oh, I have, I have no idea. I would, it would probably be somebody that would be, um, either in Alaska, which would give, because I like the open or someplace like um, Montana, someplace I would love to ride with one of those and see what it's like in something like that. I am not a city girl. I do not want to be in a big city. I, when I worked in Houston, I asked for a county way out the edge and sometimes it would take me an hour to get to where I was working at. I just don't like to be in the midst of all the mayhem. I'd rather be out out in um less populated areas the boonies i'm just give me a bear i'm only laughing i don't think you have bears i'm only laughing because i'm thinking okay you're going from like average of 80s to alaska (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a shock i almost accepted a job i almost accepted a job once in alaska but you know i just didn't i i I couldn't get the logistics to work but i would have I would have loved it. I have no, like, it's so weird because I have no interest in going to the beach. I do go snorkeling here every once in a while. And there are beautiful waterfalls that you can go into and, and, um, little pools at the bottom of the waterfalls and things like that. Yeah. But 
you know, I'm not a big person for going sitting at the beach or just going in for a swim or something. I've never been that person. I live on the East Coast. I lived on the beach out there, and I never went. Uh, you will I'm find me like on the a... beach reading a book, smoking a cigar. If I, I don't even smoke cigars, <laughs> but if I did. I, if I was in American Samoa, I'm going to roll up a cigar out of some leaf. There's got to be a tobacco leaf somewhere. And then just sit on that beach and watch like <laughs> banana leaves. There, banana yeah, leaves a banana that. leaf cigar. I'm sure that's okay. <laughs> yeah, so I would much rather be like in the in the woods, you know, by a lake, something like that. That's more my style than the beach. But, you know, it is absolutely gorgeous here. It's I never knew there were so many colors of blue. And you can just look down and see. You can look across the water and you see like three or four different shades of clear, clearly different shades of blue. You can see through the water and see. I was up on the top of one of these lava things looking down at one of the the waters coming in through the through the things. And you could see a sea turtle under the under the waves. So um, it's it's just crystal clear. They have a healthy coral system here. Um it's just beautiful. Just don't swim near the cannery because that's the only place that sharks hang out. Okay. Good to know. I'll remember because that the... for my visit to American <laughs> Samoa if I ever get to Goa. Don't hang out in the water by the cannery because it's not it's All right, not dude, I got okay. this. We're going to find somebody that is going to sponsor you and I to go out there. We're going to trap a bunch of dogs <laughs> for a spay-neuter program. Okay. Hey, best friends, if you're listening... Um, help us out. American Samoa needs your help, so we can make you a Dan best and I'll go out there. Partner. We volunteer. You can hire us right now. We'll go gather street dogs and spay neuter and just we'll TNR the exactly. whole island and then to end we'll have we'll, we'll be we'll be bringing dogs from Fiji um, over there cuz they won't have any puppies, so. There's actually a group called Coconut Mutts that got their start <laughs> from here that they actually um it was, I think it got started based on an island dog that was in bad shape and they rescued it and saved it. And then it became the face of their organization. They are off Island and they do send us, um, they send us supplies and stuff. And they're actually su- supplying a vet that's coming to the Island in two weeks. And he's going to spend a week here, just going to village to village and spaying, neuter, spaying, neuter dogs at the villages. He's hoping to do like 25 a day. That's awesome. He needs a vet tech. Sorry, Dan, I'm leaving you. There you are, Bishop. That's you. And then he needs me going around and rounding these guys up with yep. my lariat rope. Yeah, there you go. Driving 26 <laughs> miles an hour in the uh, in the streets of American Samoa. Well, Debbie, this is fascinating. I actually want to try to get you back on in another episode just to talk more about your you know experience and career in this profession, and you know just more about your like what you know how maybe things are getting done over there and. Uh, stuff like that. Well, so, an update. Uh, She's thank- only been there for five months. Uh, for yeah, so yeah. Well, and hopefully it keeps going well. Hopefully Mark comes in and, and can help uh, get some people, um, you know, just thinking differently when they do the job. And I think that's important. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping so. Um, get him in here. Like I said, I don't want to change the culture here. That was never my goal. Um, we did have a vet that came here. She was. A Polongi. I'm a Polongi. We're off Islanders. Oh. Um, I'm a Polongi. Uh, and there's, I don't know very many words, but I know the Lava Lava, which is like the Thai skirt, and a Polongi is like an American off island. So, but I think she tried too quickly, too hard to get things switched over and tried to Americanize a lot of stuff and um, offended a few people here. Okay. And, um, and uh, she, she decided to go back to Oregon. So we do have another vet that we have hired that's coming in from Fiji. Um, but things take time here. She was hired two months ago, and we're still working on the uh, paperwork. So I thought maybe she was on a little kayak <laughs> from Fiji, and it takes a couple months. She to might get be. <laughs> she might be. Hang up some of them huge banana leaves and like use them as a sail. But um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, she's Debbie, she's looking is, forward to come. This is great. Uh, you know, we appreciate the hard work that you're doing there, uh, it does not sound easy one bit. So thank you for taking on that role. And hopefully you can get that community just to a place where it's safer for people to, you know, no one wants to be attacked by dogs or kids walking to school with big sticks. I mean, that just sounds. It's heartbreaking. You know, it's heartbreaking. It, it is. It sounds a little like Detroit. So Mark will fit right in when he's there uh, next week or in a couple of weeks. So uh, the 22nd, I think he flies in. Very good. 
Well, anything you have for us before we let you go? No, I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity. And um, um, I'd love to talk to you again. Obviously, I'm, I can talk and talk and talk. <laughs> You're a TV star, yo. You fit right in. So, well, th- so seriously, um, thank you for like the insight that we get. And I know we talked a lot about just the island and lifestyle, but the insight of, of how things are done there is, is fascinating because from I would say most of our listeners, except you do have some in Australia, so not too far from you. Uh, but, you know, I would say, like, for us in the mainland, like, we don't deal. This doesn't happen. Bishop, this no. doesn't happen. You know, like, this is Feral cats, maybe, but. Yeah, but, yeah. That's still a whole different. No, but like I said, anytime you can turn around and look and you just pass them and there's, like, five or six dogs over here, you know. On my way to work, I probably passed 20, 30 dogs. And, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because some of them you see in really, really poor shape. Um, TBT is like horrible here in some of the animals so when it passes. Can you, can you it's like it? a cancer. Mm-hmm. It's okay. like a, a cancer. Okay. I don't know exactly what the uh, what the ex- it stands for, but it's a cancer and it's passed when they have sex with the other dogs. Oh. So it can pass from animal to animal. Oh, wow. And with a female, it almost, it almost looks like a prolapsed vagina from oh, the sure. back. Sometimes it, it's very, it's... Um, uh, a lot of gross coming out of the back oh. end or the males can have it. And it's just, it, it, it's just horrible. And they can spread it um, when they continue to have. And it's TBT. TVT. TVT. Darwin's yeah. theory of natural selection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And, and we get the leptospirosis from um, all the rats and the dogs, you know, drinking puddled water. So we get animals that come in with lepto and things like that. So, and some of them, it's easy to treat. Um, you can treat some of those. Uh, the Like the poisons from the toxics from trying to eat toads. Stray dogs try to eat a toad because there's nothing else to eat, and they get the toxins. And and we had one come in that their mouth was so swollen that their tongue was sticking out, and they could hardly breathe, and we had to slice the tongue to, <sighs> like, drain them. Wow. So, wow. yeah, it's interesting. And you make do with, like, no, heart very little vet equipment, no, no, um, x-rays, anything like that. Um, wow. small surgical suite, you know, I found but, that, you know, our, uh, our vet does, does manage to do, um, up like 12 surgeries, 12 spay neuter surgeries, three days a week. He does surgeries. So I found but, yeah. the um, acronym transmissible venereal tumors in dogs. Yeah. I'm going to, when it. I, when I, if we ever have the, uh, the zooier than thou podcast on uh, we've been talking with them behind the scenes that is a zoophilia podcast i can't call it bestiality but uh, i'm gonna ask them if that's uh, zoonotic so when they have sex with dogs can they get the tvt um, I, I dealt with that kind of stuff in texas too. i'm sure you did well debbie this has been it's amazing not illegal in texas. it is now uh, this has been amazing oh. We really do appreciate your time and, and look forward to, to talking to you again. So thank you for making the time. I know it's a different time there in American Samoa, uh, but thank you. Uh, it's midday for me, so I appreciate you um, working around my time zone. <laughs> you bet. Bishop, you got anything I else? I Well, as we always do on the Animal Control Report podcast, we say check out our website, www.keepithumane.com. Please like share rate this thing you got to rate this on spotify or apple Podcasts or even youtube music it's available there i think and check it out you know wherever you listen and, and just make sure you're giving us some feedback and bishop we can do this in sync now because you can right? see my face so thanks for listening and keep it humane, humane. <laughs> still not great